0: online at kfuo.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind, that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, we read through the book of Concord, the Lutheran Confession of Faith with our cohort of Christ Confessing Concordians. And on our cohort today is layman Peter Slayton, who is the social media manager of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and De- Dector <laughs> Duh. Deck the halls. Wait <laughs> it is it is the season <laughs> except not really in the church and okay. we're, we're a church oriented show. Dr. Kevin Armbrust. he is the director of editorial. See, there was just like director and doctor and it's all combined. just all all <laughs> fell apart on me there. I'm your host who can never pronounce words from week to week. Pastor Sean Smith. I'm the pastor of Emmanuel and St. Paul's Evangelical Dual Parish in Southern Illinois. And usually on our cohorters, um, Pastor Peter Ill of Milstadt, Illinois. But uh, he, he has pastoral matters to attend to today. So he is not with us. Uh, we, we wish him well on that and welcome him back in the new year. Oh. Because we'll have another guest on at, at the in end of this episode. Rotation. Do we get
1: to say "see you next year"?
0: If you want to, wow! I mean, I will be back. We're already but I'll there. Have a different guest Mighty
2: next new week. Year already began. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that here we go
0: on the church here again. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll go from our cohort to a couple of Christ confessing Concordians. <laughs> um, that's 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 my Is that's that my I... secret. If you haven't figured that oh, out I by like now. It. You know, when I don't have my cohort, it's a couple of Christ confessing <laughs> Concordians, and and then we have Christmas break special programming here on KFUO. Oh, when be sure does it to tune become a conglomerate
1: or a oh, corporation? That's
0: that. Well, or, you got to get incorporated to become a corporation, oh, right? I guess. And that just seems like a lot of paperwork that we don't have time for. <laughs> Maybe Papa Melanchthon does, as he seems to like to write, but. We'd have to resurrect them, and be, it'd be this whole thing.
1: Oh, that'd be messy.
0: Yeah. So, let's just stick with what we got. And we're in the formula of Concord, which is just an amazing document. We're using the epitome uh, with references to the solid declaration. Great stuff. We, we covered um, the positive, or affirmative, rather. I, I, I should say affirmative, because uh, I don't want to get caught up in that kind of understanding. But the affirmative statements... On the first article of original sin, and and we covered that last week. Be sure to tune in for that great uh, discussion of kind of the the philosophy that is really kind of behind the argument. We don't want to make a big deal of it, bring it into our pulpits and things like that. Uh, uh, that that's not really the the place for philosophical arguments anyway. That <laughs> is the the place for the proclamation of Christ, which is yes. what I really appreciate about my cohort. Is that we, we begin with Christ and let that guide our discussion? And if they had done that, you know, this would have never even been an article of disagreement or controversy uh, that needed to be dealt with. Yep. Um, and so, great job last week with that. But now we got to pick up and kind of push a little forward and, and get uh, the the negative statements. It's gonna be a very negative episode. <laughs> uh, you're trying to trying to give us our uh, our title there. Very negative episode.
1: <laughs> well, but then that's gonna be like every other episode because I mean every article is here's the affirmative and here's the negative. yeah so. we, we
0: did talk about just kind of in passing about how it's really well laid out you yeah. know just in terms of you know it, it, it's a piece of um, you know logical you know presentation of reasoning and uh, and and so we we do want to highlight this as we as we said last week we want to reaffirm this. That uh, we we are talking about the negative statements. These are the things we do not agree with. <laughs> yeah, today right?
1: almost right. everything we're focusing on is stuff that we don't believe, which is going to be really confusing.
0: And and at times in those negative statements, it will it will be clear on that. And like the first one that we'll get to here, it says we reject and condemn. So it, it's pretty clear there, right? But then other times, you know, it falls under the negative statements, and says, you know, uh, you know a, a a doctrinal kind of statement but it's a doctrinal statement we don't agree with and so we we want to make sure that we are mindful of this and and uh, making it clear especially as an audio it, it can it can easily get lost. So we're covering negative statements. The potential um, for accidental heresy today is great. Yeah. You know, do, do not uh, proof text, or is that the right term? Yeah, like yeah. just pull out of- Pull quotes. Yeah, yeah. pull quotes out of uh, this radio show or the Book of Concord, you know, without, you know, what what is the context that it comes in. Yep. So let's jump into the negative statements, and I think we're just going to kind of take these one by one as we get in here. So we are reading from the Concordia, the Lutheran Confessions, a reader's edition of the Book of Concord. Available to you from CPH, the publishing arm of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And we are picking up with paragraph 11, negative statement 1, under article 1, original sin in the epitome of the formula of Concord. We reject and condemn the teaching that original sin is only a debt based on what has been committed by another person, diverted to us, without any corruption of our nature, all right, so are you saying here that you reject the idea that I blame my parents for my sin?
1: No, it, it's it's not that we're rejecting the idea. We're rejecting that it's only that. I mean, that, that's one of the keywords in this one that it's only because it is the transfer of a of a debt, but it's not only that.
0: That's a great point to highlight, and and so you know, I I love my parents deeply, and they are dear saints in the Lord, and um probably only gave me good stuff, except for this little bit of my, my sinful nature, right? Um, which I did inherit, and they inherited from their parents, and all the way back to Adam and Eve, our first parents, right? Mm-hmm. So we do acknowledge that, you're saying, right? But, but I can't say, you know, because my father sometimes got frustrated with me um, and maybe didn't always instruct me as a parent should... Right, I, I'm not saying that my father did this at all. This is not the the place. I'm just using an example, right? Because again, my father's a saint. I, he sometimes <laughs> listens to the show. I want to be very clear on this. <laughs> but uh, but but Sean won't be welcome home at Christmas if he's not careful right now. Right. Uh, but no, seriously, you know, I I think this is a general enough example, right? That you know, um, you know, say say a father is is not as as uh you know, um, you know kind in his discipline in the good sense of the term with the children and so forth and so then the the um child grows up and as i am now a father this is why the example pops into my head and everything if i respond that way simply to my son you know i can't say well that that's my dad's fault because he raised me that way right right and and that's that's what we're rejecting right like you can't you can't just pin you know your your um your specific sins or, or tendencies to sins, um, as as to your parents, or anyone else.
2: Well, that that really um, that actually more deals with actual sins. That, okay. That specific actions are attached to you and not to your parents. But this is actually getting at the idea that original sin itself is not someone else's sin. That even original sin is actually truly your sin, and you are guilty of it. Um, I can't say that I'm only guilty of actual sins, but not guilty of original sin, because those are the sins that are attached to somebody else, and the guilt is only transferred to me. No, I'm actually guilty of original sin. And this this is really an important issue in the Apology article— well, it's Article 2, which is 1, which is, you know, the Apology is all messed <laughs> up that way. But uh, when they deal with original sin in the Apology, the, the confutation or the refutation of it actually— um, it moves the definition of original sin and, and says that concupiscence isn't really sin. And and this becomes the big issue is concupiscence is the best word ever. But, yeah, it's Kevin's um, favorite word. My favorite word. Yep. But, but the reality is concupiscence is sin, and you are guilty for it as an individual. And and so we're, we're recapitulating that same thing in this negative statement is that some people would say, well, no, 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 the only sin you're guilty of is your actual sins. and And this refutes that by saying, no, we actually are guilty of our original sin.
0: Which you have played into my question wonderfully here. Cause that, that that is why I set it up that way. Yeah. Because I wanted to highlight this because I think this is one of those general cultural things that still plagues us, is that we think only in terms of actual sins. Mm-hmm. Right. And so my my kind of example there, you know, is taking us down that that route. And, and, and what we're saying is, is that original sin is actually the thing, right? It, it's, 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 the, it's where the guilt is.
2: Yeah. And it results in actual sin is right. the way to talk about it. Right. So one of the famous sayings is that we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. And that's kind of helping us get at this argument a little bit.
0: That's well said. Well said. All right. Anything else to say on this negative point? We'll build on it. We got a lot of Let's negative points. Let's keep going. Yeah, very negative show, as <laughs> Layman <laughs> Slayton pointed out. All right, so this is paragraph paragraph twelve, negative statement number two, of Article One, original sin. We reject and condemn the teaching that evil lusts are not sin, but are created essential properties. There's more philosophical language, by the way, mm-hmm. essential properties of human nature. This is taught as though the above mentioned defect. And damage were not truly sin because of which a person would be a child of wrath without Christ, not engrafted into Christ. That's what they mean by uh, a child of wrath without Christ. All right. So what's this one getting at here? Break this one down.
1: I, I mean, I'm confused by why this is an issue. If the definition includes evil lusts and then we're saying that evil isn't a sin, I mean, how, how can this actually be something that, maybe, maybe I just don't know where this was being taught. Where was it being taught that evil lusts aren't actually sin? Is this getting at, well, I only thought it, I didn't actually do it, therefore it's not sin? Is that what this article or this rejection is getting at? I
0: I would say that's what it's getting at. And and we covered this hugely with the apology of the Augsburg Confession, correct? Right. That, uh, you know, and it's tied up with this concupiscence, right? You know, is that, um, you know, the desire to sin. You know, you can't really talk to me about that. You know, I mean, come on. Is that really sin? I didn't do it. It's not my it. fault. I mean, yeah, I know he really frustrated me and I felt like stabbing him, but I didn't stab <laughs> him. So like, get now, off my case. He's right? talking you know, about 30 seconds ago right now, yeah, Kevin. He's yeah. looking at me as he says this. <laughs> yes. Never, never layman Slayton. But, uh, but this, well, this, I can't say never. <laughs> right. I, I know. Yeah. I know how I am. Um,
1: but th- this is, Evil lusts are created essential properties of human nature. Okay, that right there should be a red flag that there's a problem with teaching this.
2: Well, unless you go down the the line of thinking that that original sin is human nature. and then all this is saying, it's just simply recapitulating the same statement just using an illustration of it. Uh, so this is the whole point of the article is that we we can't say these things because when we do equate original sin with human nature, this is the result. And that's why we're rejecting these statements because these negative theses are really the result of the error of equating original sin and human nature.
0: Which, again, if we come back to where where we um, really highlighted last week, if we if we begin this discussion with Christ. We, we don't have the error in the first place, right? Exactly. Um, because, you know, if if we are to understand that this is essential to human nature, you know- Which you, Christ had. Which Christ had. And <laughs> yep. to deny yep. that, then you've got another error that Athanasius is real <laughs> right. upset with, right? You know. So and,
2: that's really the issue yeah. as, as you're getting at, is that if, if you say, well, evil lusts are essential to the human nature. Now you're saying that Christ had evil lusts. And I hope that makes everybody shudder because that's a horrible that's blasphemy right or you say christ didn't really have a human nature which should also make you shudder because that's also blasphemy that's also contrary to orthodox christology obviously teaching of scripture so that's why or to say that it's not sin right right
0: to have these lusts and so forth then undoes what christ teaches clearly in the sermon on the mount where he says you've heard it said that right? But anyone who lusts in his heart has committed adultery already,
2: which must be okay. Yeah. Which, and so why did Jesus give us this teaching? (laughs) So, (laughs) So, so now we're overturning the entire law, you know, really based on this, this philosophical misunderstanding. And, and that gets to the essence of it is, you know, you always want to bring your theology to the foot of the cross and make sure that, that the death and resurrection of Christ is the point of theology. Um, like really with Christology, you know, why do we talk about the two natures in Christ? Well, it's because he, this is how he accomplished our salvation, right? Well, it's the same thing here is you you take it back to Christ and you say, what does this do with his perfect life, his death, his resurrection, you know, as atonement for, for sinners? And if, and if we start messing with this, start saying, well, evil lusts aren't really sin. So Christ had them or he didn't need to redeem them. Now we're really playing with the actual work of Christ on the cross, and and that's that's really the the crux of the matter to be, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I see what uh, you did there. That's yeah, that was nice. thank you. an excellent thank pun. You very much for that. Yes.
0: Well, and 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 is part of the whole larger issue at the Reformation too, and and we definitely delve deeply into this when we covered the Apology, of the Augsburg Confession, but the argument of the Roman Catholic Church. Is is certainly that you know it, it it removed the guilt you know is what Christ did on the cross but now I have to cooperate and work with and do these good works you know in, in order to kind of reach salvation right and 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 that's just that's bad teaching that's not scriptural teaching again let's let's begin with Christ now this may not be. The most natural place to to bring this up, um, but but I'm going to anyway because when has ever anything ever been a, <laughs> a natural host can segue flow? any way he wants, right? Um, but. After our show last week, Off the Air, Dr. Kevin, you, you brought up this really annoying thing <laughs> <laughs> that that happens in the Book of Concord. And and we mean it in the most positive sense. We love the Book of Concord. Yes. It's a faithful confession. Absolutely. But there there is this annoying assumption with the Book of Concord, right? First, that you are Christian, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, in an article like this, that you're not denying that there is original sin. Like it's right. taking the assumption. We brought that right. up briefly on the air last week and so forth. So there is original sin. And and part of maybe some of the the underlying things with these first couple errors that we've already highlighted is, you know, m- maybe what our world is wrestling with today is, is that we want to try and get away from saying that there is actually original sin. And, and realizing the total corruption of our nature in sin. Do you want to talk about that here?
2: I think, you know, this is where, as we talked about a little earlier, is it's it's always interesting to talk about teachings in the church because as you avoid a heresy, a false teaching, you often slip into another one. And so we're spending all of our time saying, no, 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 original sin and human nature are not to be equated. So I'm saying, great, so human nature is still good. So basically, I'm still good. Because I have a human nature. And if that's true, then I can maybe do a little bit of goodness to be saved. If God adds his grace to my goodness, then that plus that is probably going to be good enough to get in because he's nice. And, and now we fall into another error, right? Now we're semi pelagianists or even worse. Um, but And what that means is semi-Pelagian is just like, like the long, fancy theological way of saying you're trying to earn your salvation, right, in some way, shape, or form. And, and what happens is when people get all excited about saying, yeah, we're going to separate original sin from human nature, then they start saying, oh, so human nature isn't totally corrupted. So this original sin isn't actually guilt or it isn't actually evil. And that's when we say, stop, you've now created another error. It is entirely evil and we are entirely corrupted so that we do not contribute anything to our salvation. Because remember... Justification by grace through faith, divine monergism, meaning God works alone without any help, especially from us. And we have to affirm that doctrine, which is scriptural, with our Christology. And that's where this all comes together is the person and work of Christ for the salvation of sinners, which is totally by grace through faith. And there, there's no role that I play in this. And this this doctrine of concupiscence, of original sin, of human nature, of total corruption, it all is part of the confession of Christ alone accomplishing salvation.
0: And, and I like what you highlight there, too. Of And, and, and we see this temptation. And, and I, I'll say I, I'm sure I have fallen into it myself right of where you're trying to refute an error and then you fall off to the other side right. it's kind of like Luther's you know trying to hold law and gospel intention right you know you're riding the donkey along and everything and you fall off the one ditch and you say well I'm not gonna fall off this I like, probably fall off to the other side but either way you've fallen off right you want to yep. you want to hold true and so I like that you know Encouragement, you know, just just confess and then stop. Right. right. Say yes. what scripture says. And that's the whole idea of the Lutheran confessions, because if you just kind of even look at the historical background and, and these terms are going to come up again. So we'll define them again here in just a little bit. But, uh, you know, you had Pelagianism uh, going on uh, that the Roman Catholics were, were fighting against. And that actually led to the development of semi Pelagianism. Yeah. Right. And then this this whole controversy uh, developed as a debate right as i think we talked about on the show last week and and it was actually manichaeanism right you know this dualism you know uh that then you you, you bring up the semi-pelagian error mm-hmm. so we're and we're going to be rejecting and condemning both of those sides yes. and we're just confessing what scripture is yes. and that's what the the main article did and then again just for context we're in the negative statement saying you know and these are the errors that have manifested themselves in the debates in the schools in even some pulpits in their preaching and teaching and so forth, and uh, just so that we're clear on what you you should be watching out for, as you know, this is a specific area.
2: And and as as you know, an encouragement to to the people listening to read the Book of Concord, which you which is a wonderful thing to do. You should read the Book of Concord. It's it's worth your time. It's a great read. Um, but what what I find when I read the Book of Concord is the negative theses actually make sense to me. Because that's almost like the logical outcome of, oh, if I'm thinking about this a lot, I'll start thinking this direction. And the negative theses kind of help you go, wait, wait, hold on. Wait, and that's wrong. (laughs) Like, don't let your brain go there because your brain will naturally go there, right? And a lot of the negative theses to me are simply the logical conclusions from the positive theses. You're like, oh, if it's not that, then it must be this. And the negative theses come along and say, no, it's not that either, right? We reject that. And it, it's true throughout the Book of Concord. you're going to find this rhythm of we're, we're saying that this theological error has crept up. Then you go, okay, well, then the logical conclusion is this. And we go, well, no, that's not what Scripture says either. So let's, <laughs> let's like you said, let's stay in the middle and not fall into either ditch. And it's, it's really helpful to read it and understand that, that these are not just silly ideas. These are very logical ideas. These are things that lots of people have read the text and theology and come up with.
1: Well, I think we've got two things going on that are helpful as we're as we're going through this. and you guys have talked a lot about the first one, which is, okay, let's let's crucify this. Let's take it to Jesus and run it through him. And how does this work? And, and when we talk about this in option A, is that consistent with who Christ is and the work that he's done? Um, option B, okay, is that that's not consistent with who Christ is? So that's one way. Um, Kevin, I know you've talked about that as in like crucifying it. You know, let's mm-hmm. let's crucify that and see how it works. And then the second one is, which we've talked a little bit about, and I know Sean you've mentioned it, and Kevin, I only want to mention it again so that we are clear, is that is this how Scripture speaks? If you go that route, if you go down that way, is that how Scripture speaks? Can you find Paul? Can you find Peter? Can you find the Old Testament? You know, as Moses speak about it in this way, uh, which is an odd place to go, and yet, Old Testament's full of Christology too, if if you know how to look for it. Um, and so is those those two things crucify it? What is is this consistent with who Jesus is? And second, is this how Scripture speaks? And that those two things will really keep us in line, and I think help us look at these difficulties, these theologically difficult ideas from the proper perspective. Because I think usually we start with the logic side of things and does this make sense? Or you start with the philosophical side and then you try and get to scripture. You try and get to Jesus working from the other end. And most of the time you actually fall off one of the two ditches when you go that way.
0: Yeah. And and what you're highlighting there in the, at the end part, right, is, is that temptation to scholasticism which yeah. produced a whole lot of the errors in the roman sure. catholic church right you know you, you're arguing from the academic kind of perspective you're the arguing logical, from your own reason right yeah and 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 trying to make these things fit in instead of starting with christ right scriptures and and i like that formula you know which is the just see what i did there that, that, <laughs> which is the formula that our lutheran confessions broadly use yeah and and then i would add another one and and again it's kind of it's third on the list for a reason but we, what we does can author also... say <laughs> well <laughs> same idea but what do the church fathers say yeah right you know because these were uh, especially the early ones these were the students of the apostles right and and they're formulating our theology very early on using that formula themselves because that's what they had they had they had you know Jesus and and the proclamation of him and and the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so that was how they were operating. And so, you know, it's helpful to also just kind of have that. It's down there on the third for a reason. But that is, again, you know, the the basic layout of what we do in the Lutheran confessions and is just a really good way to to handle and wrestle with these controversies. So we're going to continue to do that, pushing forward with the negative statements. However, we need to take a break. So please join us right after this. And we're back with Concord Matters and our cohort of Christ Confessing Concordians, laymen Peter Slayton, Dr. Kevin Armbrust, and myself, Pastor Sean Smith. And we have introduced in the first half of the show uh, the term Pelagianism. And as we (laughs) make make our way forward in these negative statements under uh, the, the things that we reject and condemn, Uh, the errors in teaching under the first article of the formula of Concord using the epitome, um, original sin, Uh, the, the third negative statement, paragraph 13, automatically brings it, or not automatically, is, is where this Pelagian error is, is introduced here. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead well, and- It also
1: up. defines it for us nice It does. So that's helpful. Know,
0: it makes your job really easy as a guest yeah. on this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm going to pick up this is paragraph 13, negative statement three under article one, original sin, the epitome of the formula of Concord. We likewise reject the Pelagian error. It alleged that human nature, even after the fall, is not corrupt. And especially in spiritual things, human nature has remained entirely good and pure in its natural powers. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually add in the next negative statement as well. Paragraph 14, negative statement 4. We reject the teaching that original sin is only a slight insignificant spot on the outside smeared on human nature or a blemish that has been blown upon it, beneath which the nature has kept its good powers even in spiritual things. All right, so this is the Pelagian error, defined and and what we're rejecting about it. Take us away here, Layman slayton
1: So I want to comment on something we briefly touched on in the last segment here, and that's the context in which this is written is, okay, everybody says there's original sin. You know, nobody's denying original sin as Chemnitz is, is presenting this. Our context today, as we read this, I think is much more on the side of the denial of original sin within our culture, especially. And so this this is one where I look at this and say, that actually reflects pretty well, this Pelagian error, this number three, uh, that even after the fall, human nature is not corrupt. Look, it, there was no fall to begin with. Human nature is just good and powerful. And I mentioned this in the context of books on parenting and, and whatnot, um, how they are written. And so I think this one is one that helps us think through, why does this matter today? How does this actually apply to me? Well, when I look around my the culture at large, this is kind of how they see things. And so that's why this is helpful.
2: So I think, you know, a lot of people have the impression that the, the job of the church is to make people feel better, make them feel better about themselves or make them feel better about society. And that what we want to do is, is always proclaim this loving God that that is kind of on everyone's side. Positive everyone's like, and affirming. Everyone gives them a pat on the back, and you're doing better than you think you are, and, and when you do mess up, I'm here to pick up the pieces. And it, seems, it almost sounds like the gospel in some ways. You know, when we mess up, God's there to pick up the pieces, or he's just going to make everything work out to our good, Romans 8:28, that kind of stuff. But, but when we start listen, actually reading Scripture, it's annoying because God seems to think that we have a problem. <laughs> and, that, and that and he's kind of mad about it yeah. too. And and I confessed yesterday at at worship that um the result of my sin is that I deserve temporal and eternal punishment. And if you take that seriously, that's not a light problem. That's not some kind of eh, that's a big deal. If I actually deserve the almighty's eternal punishment, let alone my temporary situation, but eternal problem here. And, and the Pelagian errors to say, eh, you're not really that bad. And, and what happens then is it cheapens the gospel. If there, if there really is no law, which this is kind of getting toward, mm-hmm. right. Then there really is no gospel for us. And the whole message of scripture is not some kind of weak encouragement to get better. The message of scripture is that this is a death and a resurrection. Even, even the transaction of salvation is a death and resurrection transaction, right? Christ died and rise to accomplish my salvation. But then when it says, hey, you've been baptized. It's like, great, you were washed. Yeah, well, you actually died and you were raised. And, and that's, that's the transaction that happens is that this sin is not some kind of slight problem or minor scar or marring of me who is generally good. No, my sin is actually something that needs to be killed. It's that bad
0: which does highlight, you know, not just in the parenting books and so forth, but but whole philosophies of what the church exists for, which mm-hmm. you brought in, you know, that, that this is a common idea. I've had uh, well-meaning parishioners, um, you know, I, I do believe that they, they are striving to understand sometimes, but rather assert to me, you know, that my job is to make sure that when they walk away from church on Sunday morning, they feel good, mm-hmm. right? Which I want them to feel good, but, you know, good in the way that Christ makes them feel good, and and I think the problem is, is that a lot of times we have this understanding that you know my sin isn't that bad. It's it's not it's it's not totally corrupt, and and, and I don't deserve God's wrath and so forth. I'm basically good. It's just kind of this slight right. problem, this this semi Pelagian error, right? Um, and so, you know, your job, pastor, is to make me feel good by telling me the good things that I can do and encouraging me towards that so that I've got a plan for the week of how I'm going to go out there and live and serve Christ. Right. And, and that's what they mean by that phrase. And, and I say, but see, here's the problem is, is that like you're totally corrupt, like you're, you're like dead.
2: <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah.
0: and and um i want you to feel good but only because you recognize that christ has been applied to you here right and 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 sometimes a helpful analogy for this is to understand it you know like you know if you have cancer and you're going to the doctor right you know the doctor can you know kind of stir you up to say you know oh you know you, you it's not it's not so bad you know we'll, we'll try and I'm do gonna this i'm going to show you a
1: jim gaffigan yeah. clip yeah. clip on cancer He's a comedian. Yeah. And that'll make you feel
0: better. Yeah, that'll make is you that feel the better. the of the doctor? And, and you'll go out there and you'll you'll live a courageous life, you know, in the face of cancer and everything. But see, here's the problem is you still have cancer and you're going to die because of it, right? Depending on what kind of seriousness of right. the cancer is, right? But but the reality is that you have it and you need the treatment. And that's why you're coming to the doctor. and And you're not always going to feel real good about that because sometimes when you're suffering with cancer, the outlook's not all that great right um i know the good that i would but that's not what i do st paul says right that, that that outlook is just not that great when we understand the total corruption of it and then it's actually all the more sweet and rescuing to me when i recognize but hey it, this isn't just some slight thing it is totally bad killing me right and jesus alone is the cure jesus alone takes this away and he doesn't promise to do it you know um you know, in its entirety, right here, right. I, I mean, it is done away with in the cross. See, I, I was falling off into an see, air. And Dr. See Kevin the hair, at me. it's so <laughs> close. Entirely, but, <laughs> but but what I'm what I'm pointing us also to is the resurrection when when the final victory right. uh, and, and final release, right? Um, and so yeah, it's just, you know, it, you got to understand the situation. You got to get the right diagnosis, you know, to, to use that medical language with the image I've used here, right? Uh, yeah, it's just not some slight error. All right, anything else on this? We, we kind of hit that semi-Pelagian there. Uh, I, I know we had the definition in there, but I'm going to use this. This is a, a study uh, put out by Northwest Publishing House, Sister Publishing House uh, uh, to us uh, from the Wisconsin Senate, but a really good study here. It's uh, an introduction to the formula of Concord study, and, and they give, I think, um, th- this helpful definition. It says, Pelagianism is the teaching that mankind is generally good by nature and does not need God's grace to do good deeds, and one can earn eternal life on his or her own. And the Catholic Church condemned Pelagianism, but taught a modified form of it, which we call semi-Pelagianism. We need God's grace, the Catholic Church says, but with the help of God's power given to us through the church, we can become worthy of eternal life. And so this is this is what they're getting at with the definition, right, is what we just talked about. You know, um, you know what, what is God's grace then? You know, we got to get the right diagnosis. But we we also have to understand, my wife says at least every single day, words mean things, you know. And and so what does that word grace mean? You know, what what, what does it actually convey? Uh, You should
2: um, check out the new Lutheran Witness, which is on grace.
0: You might have some insight into I that might. because you're you're kind of the
2: <laughs> interim
0: editor of yes, this, and I mean, and it's in like Print Week or something yes, like that exactly. right now. Yeah. So we thank you right for now. spending your time here. But but yes, this is this is this is a good uh, a, a good
2: you know. Yeah, and and the reason promotion. it's important is because every Christian these days will say, yeah, we're saved by grace. But that actually doesn't solve the problem, because now i got to ask, well, what do you mean by grace then? Because a lot of people say we're saved by grace, meaning God enables us to do enough good works to please him. Right? That's semi pelagianism And we would say, that's not what we mean by grace at all. Um, Some would say grace meaning double predestination. And we say, that's not what we mean by grace at all. And what we point to in grace is God's favor because of what Christ has done right that we see God's grace as something in him that he has upon us because of what Christ has done and this received by faith is what gives to us what Christ accomplished on the cross it's it's his work to save not mine and so as the as a pelagian this is really funny because kind of historically everyone goes no one's actually a pelagian that's just ridiculous you know no one actually thinks you can just save yourself without God helping at all but I think if you look around right now, it's back. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I think there are. <laughs> that was people, my point earlier. Yep. Yeah. What, what Peter was bringing out earlier is that we have slid back into this situation where there actually are total Pelagians running around who believe. I
0: would say it's the doctrine of Disney.
2: It, yes. Very Ooh, much so. Yes. Very much so. Um, this this doctrine of positivity from within us. Right? Yeah. Um, Secular humanism,
0: to use kind of another term. Follow your heart. Be
2: true to yourself. Um,
0: What's
1: inside you is good. Just listen, and you'll you'll make the right choice. And and, and there's
0: whole advertising campaigns. It it blows my mind that people (laughs) spend money, big money, that shows up in the middle of like the Super Bowl which is like the most expensive advertising you know literally just trying to encourage positivity mm-hmm. because that'll fix the problem. Right. If if we could just if we like appeal to that goodness within you. Well see here's the thing is that I don't think that there's that much goodness in you. As a matter of fact I think you're totally corrupt.
2: Yeah, see and that's offensive. Why would you say that about me? I thought we were friends.
0: We are pointing at you Kevin
2: specifically see, yeah. and, right now. <laughs> and that's and that's what happens is then people are offended and say, well you're supposed to be loving. You're supposed to love your neighbor. So you can't judge me. It says don't judge. So you can't say that I'm entirely evil. That's just mean or that's that's some kind of holier than thou attitude. And this is this is why it's so important for us as Lutherans to keep saying it isn't us saying it. This is what the scriptures teach. You know, I'm not making this up because I'm mean or because I have a bad view of humanity. I'm confessing what God has taught me in his holy word. And that's all we're doing. We don't have the choice to say, no, not really. I mean, read Romans three, especially starting verse 10. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Paul is explicit. There's no one who's good. Not even one. No one seeks after God. Everyone's entirely corrupt. I mean, it just keeps going on and on. It's like, okay, Paul, I get it.
0: And then you have to work really hard to explain that away when you have this different you know, uh, theological doctrine,
2: right? So when people come and say, how dare you? The answer is, it it isn't me. This this is what, this is the truth that God has taught us. And then if you just open your eyes and look around, you see this in everything. Like, yeah, actually, humans aren't naturally good. Just watch us, right? (laughs) Just watch us.
1: I have to work really hard to teach my kids to do good things.
2: Yeah. And and there's even a campaign that's been out lately, you know, no kid would hate without being taught to. And I'm going, I don't think you've had kids. (laughs) Because I think kids do naturally hate. As soon as someone tries to do something they don't want, like take their toy or something, they start hating real quick. They start being very selfish and and love themselves above the next person. I,
0: I love the social media memes that go around that will show, you know, uh two different ethnicities of children, you know, hugging and, and so forth. And they're like, see, you know, racism is is learned, you know, it's not natural to us or whatever. And it's like, yeah, why don't you take one toy right. and throw it in the middle of the sandbox <laughs> of those two and see how loving they are towards one another then? Yeah.
1: And that actually has nothing to do with race at no. all. No. That's right. actually human nature. Right. <laughs> so it's but that's
0: like... that's where racism comes from, is this this yeah. human nature, right? You know, this right. corruption. Human nature, human nature right um, that uh, it's not the essence of nature bring right. it back to it all exactly. <laughs> right yeah but uh, but uh, you know yeah like these these actual sins come out of our original sin the corruption of our nature
2: which which gets us back to the idea that that this is sin it's not just a propensity to sin it actually is sin and our actual sins reflect the presence of original sin as a total corruption of our human nature so that the fact that I sin daily and sin much is actually giving witness to the original sin that has entirely corrupted my human nature. And we just can't get away from that. And that's what this this is going over in in now in negative ways to say, well, some people say original sin isn't that bad. You know, people are generally good. And we're saying, no, 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 that's an error. And that's, that's Pelagianism, which became semi-Pelagianism. Now, now, let's make sure we understand what semi-Pelagianism is. Because they said, that's silly. We certainly need God's help in this. You know, if if we're talking about salvation, God has to be involved. So they went from a crass Pelagianism, Pelagianism which taught that humans can do it on their own, to a semi-Pelagianism, which taught that in Christ, God has grace that allows my good works to come alongside his grace to kind of add together to please him. And that's why it's semi because there still has to be some goodness in me to work with God to end up in salvation. And Lutherans look at both full and semi-pelagianism and say no. Nope. <laughs> nope. Sorry, no. That's not right. Mine's really yeah. more of a kettle. And, and and to highlight that, you know, so I I
0: kind of threw out there, you know that pelagianism is the doctrine of uh, Disney or secular humanism you know this whole positivity movement and things like that you know the goodness in us all um, and and the semi pelagianism well, you know, citing that you know the Roman Catholics historically, and I would say at, at least in their official teachings and doctrines, uh, still, today, still today. But I would also say general American evangelicalism, Absolutely. you know, broad term, you know. But but this is this is that semi-pelagianism is at work there, and so it it again, as, as I think you helpfully laid out for this. Well, we need Jesus in there, you know, right. like you know, <laughs> it's a matter of salvation. So yeah, he's got to. But what does he do? What mm-hmm. you know, what what is he doing in there? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the way that they define what he's doing in there is just it's still it's yeah. still this Pelagianism you know I still have some goodness that's got to cooperate with him in this and 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 that teaching just comes out and yeah, it, it's it's really dangerous because then I think it leads to this other thing that we see, both with the Pelagianism in secular humanity, but also in semi Pelagianism with Christian circles and so forth, is that we sometimes get really surprised when we see other sin. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in actual sins. Wait. Right. What? Oh, I didn't see that coming and, at and, all. And it's because we just deny the 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 total corruption that yep. that that's the original sin the original in us sin. all. Yep. And and yeah, right. You know, so you you brought up Layman Slayton. You know, it's it's really hard to teach good works to your children, and so forth. It's really hard to teach good works to myself. Well, yeah, yeah? <laughs> yes. You know, <laughs> agreed. And, and I look and I, and I do something. You know, maybe I'm you know, uh, short with my wife or something like that, right? You know, or, or not respectful of my parents, as I used an example. You know, earlier, again, not not a real example. Um, <laughs> parents are saying, but uh, <laughs> um, you know, and 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 I do that, and it would be ridiculous. To say, you know, well, why did I do that? You know, I, I'm a good person, I know better. You know, it's right. like, well, because I'm sinner. Right. You know? <laughs> and 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 it's not surprising to my wife that sometimes I'm not as loving as I should be, right? Yeah. But we still need confession. We need right. absolution. Right. 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 And and so it doesn't make it okay. Um, but you know, and, and some people might say that, well, that's you know, just kind of a dim way to view life, you know, is it? but but it's true. It's, it's the actual matter of it. And so, you know, if I walk around thinking that everyone's basically good, then when something does come out of their sinful nature, right, what do we do? We absolutely vilify them. And then mm-hmm. everything about them is terrible from right. then on. Right. And then and then we can't see that this is a redeemed saint, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and it just it becomes such a messy thing that when we have the right diagnosis and the right understanding of what the words are and mean and convey and confess properly, according to Scripture, we just handle things a lot better, I think.
1: Well, think of where where's the hope in the first way of looking at that where, OK, I can try harder, I can do better, I just need to encourage myself, I'm basically good. Where's where's the hope in that? Remember, remember our two things that we run these through, well, we got the third one. I'm going to focus on the first two right now. Okay, well, if if I screw up, but I'm running it through Christ, what has Christ done for me in that? Or, but as opposed to looking at myself and how can I fix this and how can I make this better, what has Christ done for me in that? Second, how does scripture talk about this? And oh, by the way, scripture is going to point me back to Christ and what he's done for that too. So remembering in in that situation, okay, if I'm going to look to myself as a Pelagian or a semi-Pelagian, I'm going to be able to fix this problem or help in it. If I'm honest with myself, I'm just going to screw it up again and probably make it even worse if it's all up to me to be the one to fix it. But if I'm running it through, okay, how do I see this through what Christ has done for me? There's forgiveness there. There's, there's repentance, which is good for me. I know I'm gonna be forgiven. I know Christ has already taken care of this. And oh look, that's how scripture talks about this too. And then there's hope in that because I'm now living my life in Christ, not in myself and being the solution to my own problems.
2: And I think that's that's important what you just said. A couple of things you said there are very important and, and and Pastor, what you brought up too is that you know, we walk around saying, Oh, this is such a negative view of life. Well, that's only if you define goodness based on humanity. (laughs) What, (laughs) What if there's something that isn't human that's good and maybe even gooder, right? What if there's a goodness that's better than humanity has? And what if that goodness is actually something that is given freely to every single person? That God is good. Like, what if we start with that premise and stop looking for goodness In other humans and stop looking at the view of our world of whether or not we're positive about humans. What if we looked at every human on the face of the earth as someone that God has sent his son to die for? And that becomes the way that we see humanity in a positive light. We don't lie about humanity to make it good. We confess the goodness of God and the grace of God as the creator of all things, as the one who loves all things, as one who redeems all things. And we say, we don't have a negative view of the world. We, but we don't look to humanity to give us a positive view. We look to the one who is good to actually be our source of goodness. And I think that's that's part of this whole discussion that we want. To, we don't want to shy away from is that we even in this discussion we're tempted to focus more on people to define good mm-hmm. instead of looking at the one who is good. I mean, remember they watched Jesus, a good teacher, and goes, good. Why are you calling me good? There's no one good but God. I mean, that's an important thought is that when I look for goodness in this world, I don't look at people. I look at God. I look at Christ, I look at what God has done. And then I learn to see every single person in light of what God has done in Christ.
0: And you start to see the good things that do come out. Exactly. The the fruits of faith, as we would talk about them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the, the good works that are produced there in faith um, as not, you know, coming from humanity, which again, we love to promote, you know, just like all over the place you know the way that people again battle against cancer and so Mm -hmm. forth becomes this goodness that's Mm -hmm. supposed to encourage me to you know fight my own struggles and things Mm -hmm. like that and it's like no like how about we acknowledge that this goodness comes from God and and unless we fall off into the other era again too I mean we're what we want to be clear here in is is that this is connected with that image of God in our creation, right? That the goodness in in humanity that is there, we we can say there is goodness there, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's in the image of God, and what we have is a corruption of our nature, and what will be restored. So in the new creation, it will be that perfect goodness again, right? Yeah. Uh, the way it's supposed to be, never to be corrupted again. Um, but it's not our starting place. We don't look. You know, what you're highlighting here is we're, we're not looking to the goodness itself. Right. You know, we got to we got to begin with where it comes from, uh, because, you know, again, Jesus himself, you know, has this human nature mm-hmm. and and he is the perfect image of that goodness. Yes. Yeah, which I don't have because I forget to mute my phone. See, I sinned, and you guys were totally <laughs> shocked by that because you're like, Pastor Sean, you are such a good guy. Like, why would you ever not mute that's, your phone when you're going to be on the we've radio? the
1: Cell phone noise on this show. Perfect. Yeah, and it was
0: Morris Code. You know what was it typing out? The, it's, I'm a, amateur I've, radio operator and so you know oh, you gotta i got to do i thought it was things. the end like, of the show
1: nice. it's like oh i guess we're done now no the the no
0: we have a couple minutes great um, but we'll tie this in because i need to push for we were going to make it through the article today but no <laughs> all right <laughs> so we have too much jesus to talk about yeah. all right so we're picking up with uh paragraph 16 uh negative statement number six and we'll also cover paragraph 17 negative statement number seven and we'll wrap up the show there did we read five uh-huh okay Nope. No, I think nope.
1: we no we haven't done 5 yet. It's okay. It says the same thing.
0: Okay, I'll read all three of them. We reject the teaching, this is number five, paragraph 15. We reject the teaching that original sin is only an outward obstacle to the good spiritual powers and not a spoiling or lack of the powers. It is not like when a magnet is smeared with garlic sauce and its natural, (laughs) this is science according to the Lutheran confessions, uh, is smeared with garlic sauce and its natural power is not removed but only blocked or when a stain can be easily wiped away like a spot on the face or paint from a wall. We reject the teaching that in a person, the human nature and essence are not entirely corrupt, but a person still has something good in him, even in spiritual things. For example, uh, sorry, my capacity, skill, aptitude, or ability in spiritual things to begin to work or to help working for something good. On the other hand, we also reject the false teaching that the... Of the Manichaeans, who taught that original sin, like something essential and self-sustaining, has been infused by Satan into human nature and intermingled with it, like when poison and wine are mixed. So, I wanted to bring in the Manichaeanism here. Yeah, we 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 gotta cover that. We really covered the Semi-Pelagianism, and you got one minute. Go, go, Kevin. (laughs) I,
2: I think you know, Manichaeanism is actually present in our world today. Um, when we talk about karma, when we talk about yin and yang, when we talk about all of us kind of have this mixture of good and evil in us, and we're trying to find a balance in the force and all these kinds of, oh, wait, and, <laughs> and all these kinds of allusions to this this duality in which what we see in us is that God kind of put the good in me and Satan kind of put the evil in me and mixed it together, and now I'm some kind of fighting between the two. No, my human nature is entirely corrupted by original sin. I don't have two different natures at war within me. My human nature as created good by God has been entirely corrupted by original sin. And I am guilty of that sin.
0: Manichaeanism in 30 seconds or less. We're going to pick up there. I wanted to get in, in here, but we're going to cover it much more in depth next week when we have uh, uh, Pastor uh, Charles Henriksen on with us. Uh, we'll be a couple of Christ-Confessing Concordians next week. <laughs> but uh, that's Dr. Kevin Armbrust. He's the director of editorial for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Layman Peter Slayton, social media manager for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I'm Pastor Sean Smith. Thank you to my cohort today. We'll see you again in the new year. And until the next time we convene for a conv- if you would like to leave a question or comment for us to address, you can reach us at 314-996-1542, email kfuo at kfuo.org, or find us on social media at KFO Radio. Thanks for stopping by today, and until next time, keep confessing, church.